Hey, everybody. What's up? Hey, Chad. Yo, how's it going? Oh, wait. My headset is not hooked up. There we go. That's better. Uh, let's just wait until we get everyone else in this space, and then we'll get started. Sounds good. Happy mainnet. We made it. Yeah, yeah, it's here. Finally. Pretty exciting. I was just listening to the talks from Consensus. Uh, you guys all crushed it. Really good job. Oh, yeah. All those videos are live, so definitely check those out. Uh, can, do you want to share the link to those? I'm um, sure I can try to find that. Um, are the Crosschain Expo ones live or just the Consensus? I, I only saw the yeah, Consensus. I've only one. seen the Consensus one. I, don't, I haven't seen the Crosschain Live one yet. Yeah, but yeah, I watched that. Um, you guys did really well. Did, let me try to find a tweet about it. I don't know if Thorchain tweeted it. I'll try to pin it up if I find nah, it. Thorchain didn't tweet it yet. I, I have a scheduled one to go out on Monday for the consensus one. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, that was a that was a great conference. Uh, Chad Barrett will be on in a sec along with some other folks, and yeah, then we can get rolling. We'll let uh, we'll let people up on stage talk about uh, you know talk about Thorchain and then talk about where we're going. We have some you know, fun announcements for today. Uh, if you're here right now and you want to uh, come speak, this will be like a pretty open space so people can just request and come up and, and talk. Uh, but let's leave it to more like, you know, anecdotal things rather than like questions. If people have questions about Thorchain, maybe uh, like another time, uh, you know, not, not today. But yeah, there's plenty of time today to, you know, just listen to the community and also have some, you know, fun announcements to, to go through. So if anyone would like to speak, just hit that request button. Chad will be up here in a few minutes and some other folks from nine realms and, uh, just the general community. So, so, so someone did make a, uh, a PO app for this Thorchain mainnet celebration, uh, space. So if you'd like to claim that, that PO app, uh, you need the, the PO app app. And all you have to do is type in the uh, the secret phrase, and you can claim the uh, Thorchain mainnet PO app thing. It, it doesn't it doesn't do anything. It, it's just a uh, it's an NFT implemented by PO app uh, that says that you were here and you you were here at the uh, at the mainnet party. So it, to do that, you just have to download the PO app app, and uh, the password is mainnet is here, no spaces. So if you download the POAP app and type in mainnet is here, you should be able to claim the Thorchain mainnet party uh, proof of attendance NFT. Yeah, shout out to PaperX from ThorSwap. I think he put that together. Um, but yeah, definitely go do that. Also, I'm just, I just found Chad B tweeted the consensus video link. So I am, there we go. That's pinned up if people want to check that out. Yes. After? Yeah. Also, oh. um, yes. Yeah, so, some okay. Paper, I'll invite Paper X. Up yeah, paper's coming up. Hey, Paper X. Oh, hey, hey, guys. Uh, I just want to say it's mainnet is here, but all caps. Yeah, has to be all caps. Good, cool. Yeah, thanks for putting that together. <laughs> yeah, it's um, <laughs> it's actually animated, but I don't know why on the app, um, it doesn't play the animation. So you have to check on the uh on the web app, guys. Solid. Yeah, everyone get that done. Uh, yeah, Poap app. I'm gonna I'm gonna mess with that right now too. <laughs> Gotta get it. Chad, what's up? What up, son? I feel like it's been a while since I've talked to you. Uh, it's been a week, right? <laughs> last week was normal, I believe. Oh, that's right, last week. Sorry, I feel last week. Yeah, <laughs> but it was it, a while it feels before like that. Forever. Yeah, I don't know why. Yeah, well, lots happened in uh, just one short week, uh, as per usual in the in the Thorchain world. Feels like feels like more than a week. <laughs> yeah. 
I was saying a bit ago, um, I was watching the consensus videos. You, you guys all did a really good job. So yeah, props to you and everyone. Yeah, it went very smoothly for the most part. Um, had a good, had a good talk, good, good audience, all that kind of stuff. I really enjoyed, uh, listening to Gavin from, from nine realms. Um, I feel like we don't hear him publicly too often. So that was, that was really cool. Um, really enjoyed that talk and Q and A. Yeah. So besides the Poe app, uh, there's a, a couple other announcements that, that come with, uh, you know, this, this whole space. So let me go through some of those right now. So, uh, there is a Binance live this Sunday. So that's kind of like a live show similar to today where, uh, people from Binance will be asking, uh, some Thorchain people questions and that, that includes Chad Barford, who's here on the call, the technical lead of the Thorchain core dev team. And uh, Gavin, who is the CEO of Nine Realms, and also uh, Chris from Grassroots Crypto, they'll be on Binance Live on Sunday, this Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. And if you ask a uh, a question that's answered during the AMA, uh, you can win Rune prizes. So all you have to do is respond to uh, the pinned tweet that's on top of this space right now. Just scroll up. Uh, I think you need to be on mobile to see it, maybe. But uh, if you just ask a question and it gets answered during that space, then you could win, you know, real prizes in Rune, but you, you need a Binance account to enter. So if you have a Binance account and you have a question about ThorChain, that's the place to ask it for today. And you can win Rune prizes for doing so. Binance US as well? Yeah, I believe so. You just need to, as long as you have a Binance ID, I, I think it should all, uh, it should all work, but don't Sweet. take my word on that. Cool. Yeah. So, Chad, what's the uh, what's the feeling like now that uh, now that mainnet's live? What, what does what does this mean? Well, let's talk about mainnet. Yeah. So, the way that I like to think about it, and I kind of alluded to this uh, in a tweet that I had earlier on, but um, chaos net for me was all about just kind of like proving the technology works. Well, let's take, take it back even further. Um, single chain chaos net for me was about like proving some of the the basic economics. And some core concepts worked right on, on a fundamental level, right? Of like the slip-based fee model, for example. Uh, can we, you know, get a consensus of from you know miscellaneous a non-validators to secure you know hundreds of millions of dollars worth of, worth of uh, value on the Binance smart chain in the earliest versions of single chain KSN? And that could be the alpha days. And then like multi-chain for me was all about uh, all right, now can we do that? Not just Binance chain, but like. Bitcoin and Ethereum and like these kind of other things and further kind of testing on a larger scale of the viability and, and you know, of this, of this code base of this, what we're trying to accomplish here. And I think like what we've, we've definitively done uh, as a product so far is that we've, we've proven that the thing actually functions and works, that it can work with UTXOs. It can work with EVM chains, uh, even Cosmos chains. Like we can integrate with more or less anything. Uh, and that's a pretty big feat onto itself. But we haven't accomplished yet as a project is be successful, right? Like we've, we've made it so that you can add liquidity and earn yield and get swaps and all this kind of stuff. But we haven't proven that, that the, the network is actually successful. And that, what, what I mean by that is that like it actually becomes uh, a core a pillar of infrastructure in the space. And so for me, like mainnet or uh, it, it kind of signifies the kind of switch uh, or the next phase of the development or ex- expansion of this network, moving away from you know critical uh, functionality features and moving towards uh, a scalability and adoption. Right? Can this thing scale up to 
a huge amount of trades, trade volume. Can this thing, um, you know, get like a, a massive amount of adoption from the greater crypto in, industry? And, and kind of like, can we get DEX aggregations and in, integrations? Uh, can we get wallet integrations? This kind of stuff. I think that's really what like that the the nine realms team is really kind of uh, you know really good at and geared for versus the original kind of OG dev team was about like having the vision, implementing it, designing it, you know, building the community initially, all these kind of things. And we as a, a kind of the OG team, so to speak, have gotten it from one to ten. And we got I think we've done a very good job along the way. Obviously we've made our fair share of mistakes. But I think overall, if you look back at it from a high level, we've done a really great job and I'm very proud of, of, of what we've done as a team. And I think what we're now doing is we're kind of shifting the 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 skill sets required to you know take this project from you know level 10 to take it to level a thousand, which requires a completely different skill set that I myself and, and and most of the people on the OG team are not really skilled at, which is you know, integrating with institutions, which is, you know, scaling out to more chains, building the community to a larger sense of it. Uh, all this stuff, like structured format of like, you know, the ADR process that, that Pluto put together, for example, like all that stuff just derives on a, a different skill set. And so it, it makes sense that you bring in a team that's specifically designed for that purpose, which I think is what Nine Realms uh, largely is, right? And so, um, I think the, I think over the next few months, maybe to the end of the year at the latest, the, the original OG team will stick around and, and focus on this project. But eventually, the, the PO will happen, or plan obsolescence will happen, and you know, the community and along with Nine Realms team can take it to the next, you know, to level a thousand effectively. What's up, boys? Guys, sorry, I'm late to this launch party. What's going on? What I miss, Marcus? What do you got? Yeah, no, I, I think what DoorChain did was super experimental, super innovative. Like there was something people were saying like, hey, just give up. We're going to do bridges. And then, you know, every day there's a new bridge that gets hacked. Um, this kind of like doubles down and triples down and quadruples down on like the mission of DoorChain. I think the next things up are increasing liquidity, increasing the amount of validators, you know, just security kind of things. Right. And that kind of happens as you scale. Um, I, I am kind of questioning uh, what is the what is the priority of those two? Liquidity versus validators. There's both. I, mean, I don't think there's a priority between those two things. I think they're just two things that are, just, are constantly going to be needed to be pushed on. Getting more room into the into the bond, getting more capital into the PBL. Uh, that, that's much a, I mean, the, the priority is always going to be shifting around because as soon as you solve the one of them, you get something else that's lagging behind. And so then you push that forward and then something else is lagging behind. It's just going to be a, a constant like whack-a-mole of just pushing the entire project forward. Yeah. But the, like you said something really interesting about like, about looking at how uh, bridges have been popping up and, and uh, some of them not doing so well. And I think like one of the things that I've found fascinating over the, over the time span of the last year or two is that like in the earliest days of designing the protocol and, and, and putting it together, uh, I was ne- wasn't really sure if there was like another implementation or another design pattern that, that we weren't using that was a really good pattern. And I think over the time span, the last couple of years, like what we've seen is a lot of things pop up and then they don't really work out for one reason or another. They're just fundamentally designed, uh, you know, improperly or has some poor token economics or poor security methodologies or 
what have you. And it's been quite satisfying for me to like, to see that uh, not only the design we had put together actually work, right. Uh, but uh, most, there are a lot of people in the space who are starting to, to fork our design, not just the code, some like Maya and other protocols are starting to actually fork the code, but even like other projects like chain, Sif chain, etc. Sif chain, like they are all taking their cue, like 90% of their design or 95% of their design comes right out of the Thor chain playbook. Right. And then just re-implements it in a slightly different way, but largely the the same concept and that just to me this further cements that the, the the design pattern that we had kind of concocted years ago um was was the right one yeah it feels like it might not be simplest but it's kind of the most bulletproof for for all scenarios and uh, as you said marcus like we kind of keep seeing like vulnerabilities and in, in other sorts of models and stuff like that and then um even just on like the centralized uh, the kind of other competitors in a sense, the Thor chain, like the more they make moves, the more it feels like the Thor chain style design is just going to become necessary. Uh, like we just saw Coinbase posting, like they're going to, you're going to have to dox every address you send to and stuff like this. So, um, you know, the more these kinds of things come around, the more it feels like the Thor chain design is really just like the winner because it is the most unstoppable. It might not be the, the simplest, uh, d- like design. It might not be like, you know, there might be other designs that are easier in a sense, but this is the design that is kind of like the most uh, unstoppable force to really win out in the long term. Yep. I think part of that is the focus on decentralization since the beginning and the inception of the idea. While a lot of cross-chain protocols or even just like dApps or protocols in general uh, they start off, obviously, um, any project starts off way more centralized, decentralized over time, but DoorChain's design from the beginning was meant to, uh, be a decentralized protocol that's governed entirely by the nodes and assets are secured using the, the rotating threshold signature vaults, which, you know, we're seeing that become, uh, really the standard for, for interchain security where uh, that that's the only provably secure way to uh, secure large quantities of something like uh, like Bitcoin without using a uh, by using a bridge which is inherently a lot less secure so that I think the focus on decentralization since day one while it's caused the the project to maybe not have as much like power bootstrapping and in the beginning now this is the stage when we can really start ramping up and uh, and expanding outwardly as an as an already decentralized network. Yeah, to me, like the first stage of the project was you know everything that 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 Chad and Tyler had mentioned. It was it was basically proving out that the the design even would work, and that you know the the whole philosophy behind like Bifrost and Thornode and 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 their various designs was actually even viable. And there was a lot of people that said that they. Um, that it wasn't. I loved. I loved the tweet from you yesterday, Chad, where you were basically um, calling on Hayden Hayden Eth to uh, to you know walk back. If you if there was a time that he could walk back his uh, you know his claim that basically Thorchain is a scam and it was never going to work. Like I think at this point by now we've proved to everyone in the ecosystem that it is possible to do native cross chain layer one swaps. And so that to me, like the, the, like the declaration of mainnet is that we've proven that milestone. We know that the design works. And from now, from that, from here forward, we're entering a new phase where we're trying to essentially 
um, you know, hit a moving target of this oscillation between supply and demand. Um, and so in that sense, supply is like the liquidity and demand is just the demand for swaps. Um, and so there's different metrics that we've identified, like liquidity and volume. Uh, we can now start to go in and optimize so there's a few things that will that will optimize volume just from like a, a like almost like in an inorganic sense, um, and that's adding new chains. So every every new chain that we add is you know increases our ability to capture new um, new market share in, in you know new markets. So so adding chains new chains is going to be a big um, priority going forward. But then just on the actual organic demand side, um, I think DEX aggregation is is probably like the biggest thing to look out for. And so DEX aggregation is like, it, it's a combination of both like technical innovation achieved by the core team um, in, re in regards to like wrapping, you know, the Uniswap or the SushiSwap smart contracts and, and routing, you know, trades um, through the Ethereum liquidity pool on ThorChain and then calling into functions in, in um, you know, either in like Uniswap or SushiSwap or any other on-chain um, on-chain decks to basically give ThorChain users access to their liquidity and vice versa to give their users access to Bitcoin. So say, for example, um, you could, you know, swap directly from Bitcoin to anything in, in any of the Uniswap Ethereum pools um, using ThorChain. So, so that's like, that's like sort of the, the DEX aggregation technical innovation. And then when you combine that with Nine Realms is sort of business development machine that we're spinning up right now, which Eridanis has been um, a huge contributor on. Um, when you get that, you know, we're, we're basically as a team going out and approaching these different aggregators, building proof of concepts for them, showing them how it's possible to integrate um, liquidity from other chains into their dApps. And so that in tandem, sort of the technological and the, you know, the BD, um, we're going to basically be able to expand the reach of ThorChain and, and, and drive more demand for um, organic volume through through the platform, which in, in turn um, accrues value for Rune um, in, this, in, in, in the sense that people want to basically hold Rune so that they can get access to the trading fees. Um, so that's just on the, uh, on the demand side. And then on the supply side, um, of course, the single-sided uh, LP is going to be a huge, um, a huge contributor there. But maybe I'll let someone else um, who's more, um, you know, more, working more closely on that um, can talk about that. I don't know if I don't know if that's been discussed yet. But maybe Chad, you want to talk about single-sided LP? Yeah, sure. Uh, single-sided LP uh, is basically the idea that you can provide an asset like Bitcoin or, or Ethereum or, or Tether or whatnot. Um, well, maybe not Tether because it's an ERC-20, but that has to be determined later. But um, uh, the, the idea is that you can you can provide that single asset without taking on any root exposure. You're only taking on exposure to the assets that you want to take exposure on, and you're getting a yield on that asset, right? So you're earning layer one BDC on your BDC without taking on room or selling half of your assets up to ruin and then taking on that price exposure. So like that has been the biggest prohibitor for, for us as a project to try to get institutional investment into ThorChain is because like, you know, there's lots of people out there, lots of institutions out there that want to earn BDC on their BDC, but very little that want to earn ruin on the room because most of them aren't even holding ruin at all. I think the amount of capital out there that wants to earn BDC on the BDC is like, astronomically large, like by orders of magnitude larger than the entire market cap of Rune itself. And so like uh, doing this is going to be like kind of opening the floodgates of adding liquidity to the network on a massive scale. Um, 
Yeah, that's it basically in a nutshell. Yeah. So yeah, and then um, are we are, are we talking about the? Have we talked yet about like sort of the the mechanism that allows the protocol reserve to basically to basically walk in the rune? Um, so basically, like the the protocol will be taking on protocol owned liquidity. Um, and we're we're still talking about like what the you know parameters of that would be like. Do we only do like you know the biggest major L ones like BTC and ETH? Um, because that again, that's like that's like the pro the protocol essentially taking on like some prop risk. Um, or do we you know do and do we and what do we cap it at? Um, but there are discussions right now that we can leverage a portion of the protocol reserve. Um, you know, since there's you know, however, like over a hundred million rune just chilling in the protocol reserve. And we've been seeing, you know, the impermanent loss protection, um, essentially, you know, not reaching critical levels, in, even as of this most recent, you know, market downturn. So we're kind of sitting here looking at like the protocol reserve and saying, how can we put this more to use? How can we, how can we let this rune, um, you know, create utility for the network. And so because um, all of the liquidity pools are against rune in, um, in Thorchain, um, we're basically exploring an option where in order to enable the single-sided LP, um, we're actually leveraging the protocol reserve and actually having protocol own liquidity. So um, that, I think, like, you know, also opens up a huge, like, in terms of just, like usability, it's much a much clearer product for uh, users to understand. Like the the the, the single sided LP, um, and like one of the things that I think sets apart Thorchain from any other uh, team or project that's trying to offer these kinds of things is that we're we're very like straightforward about the fact that like this is this is like this is these yields are created from organic demand. Like we're not we're we're not able to just like say that anybody who does a single-sided LP of Bitcoin will be guaranteed X amount of APR. Like the APR could be anywhere from zero to whatever, you know, 7%, whatever the percentage is on a normal Bitcoin LP. Like if you were just pairing Rune and Bitcoin, like you have, there is, you know, there, there it is a sliding scale. So people who are doing single-sided, like, like, like make, like let there be no doubt that th like this is still, a, a, a an investment that carries some risk, right? We can't, we can't, no one, and anyone who tells you that they can, uh, I personally think is, is selling snake oil, but it's not possible to say like, you can just get 7% or 10% or 20% as we've seen some other projects do. No one can just tell you, we'll give you asset on asset guaranteed um, return. And so one of the things I like so much about the single-sided liquidity um, mechanism that's being designed right now is that it's it, it's it doesn't there's no there's no aspect to it that you know is is I, I would say dishonest. It's an it's an honest mechanism. We're saying if you bring um, if you bring your Bitcoin, the protocol reserve will bring the rune, and we'll put you into a traditional LP um, against the protocol. And it's still it's still somewhat of a you know of an an adversarial. Um, gamble that you're taking. If if Rune outperforms your asset, it's possible that the protocol, um, you know, uh, profits based on you know whenever you entered that position. Um, if you know if the asset way outperforms, um, it's possible that the person who took the you know took the single side, um, you know, gains a little bit more. So it's it's still you know the mechanics of it are that it's still an investment. It still carries risk, and there are no guarantees to the return. But it offers something that no one else in the entire industry is offering, which is 
a safe return that is anywhere from 0% to some percentage. But we know that the, that based on the design, it isn't, you know, it, it, we're not, we're not making any guarantees that we cannot keep. And so just from a protocol design perspective, it's like, it's safe, it's efficient. And I think it's, it's a really, it's a good, um, it's like sort of a good compromise. And, and so, yeah, just to, just to wrap it all up, I've, I've been kind of droning on, but those are sort of the three major things that you can look at now that we are in, you know, the post mainnet era. Um, we've proven the security, the model, sort of the fundamentals of Thorchain. And so now the goal is to basically expand to more chains, get more UIs and more DEXs um, on board with Thorchain via the DEX aggregation feature, and then solve for, um, you know, for, for, for deepening liquidity pools using single-sided LPs. All right, I'll shut up now. Uh, we might have some 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 uh, fun stuff to share towards the end of the call, so stick stick around, and we'll uh, we'll have some surprises for you. I think. Awesome, that was exciting stuff, Buddha. Uh, yeah, thanks for that. You definitely weren't like rambling on. I you, that got everyone excited. I, I guarantee it. But uh, one other thing, kind of related to that, maybe maybe for you, Pluto, or maybe Chad B. Um, the so like there won't be single sided rune in this sort of design, but I know that like. I believe it was said that like this can kind of allow or, or maybe it was something else, but can allow for, I don't know if they were being called like the light nodes or, or what is kind of the latest uh, on that front. But um, anything that you guys could speak to about like not single sided LP rune, but like single sided, some sort of yield perhaps on the security side of rune, like what that what's kind of the latest on what what that might look like. Um, you know, is that further behind? Uh, any thoughts? Yeah. So um one of the ideas we've been we've been tossing around a little bit um, is as kind of a modification on what we call light notes or four volt notes, and I call them I'm actually calling them myself calling them passive notes. But basically, like you can run a node that has no lower bound on how much your rune bond can be. It can be as low as you like. Um, you may not be able to get into the network for security purposes, but like there's no actual um, requirement on the minimum amount of rune. Um, and so basically, instead of becoming a validator in the traditional sense, and you're helping to commit blocks to the blockchain, here you're just, you're joining the Asgard network, like you're becoming a member of the Asgard vaults, but you're not part of the consensus of like committing blocks onto the blockchain. And so what that means is, is that, um, is that the number of Asgards or the number of, of, of value that can be stored in those Asgards becomes untethered by the limitations of cosmos validators like right now like the most dollars you can possibly have is like you know arguably around like 200 maybe 250 possibly and so that puts a cap on the number of nodes that can exist and if you say that also we can have you know a thousand or ten thousand that kind of changes uh some things uh there's still some mathematical requirements in terms of making sure that's this still economically secure you can't just have you know uh, an Asgard with 39 one rune bonded nodes and, you know, one with a hundred thousand or something or ten, uh, a million or something that wouldn't be economically secure. So there's still some requirements for mathematically to ensure economic security, but like, but generally speaking, that just kind of opens that kind of flood, floodgates and allowing people to kind of get in with much smaller bonds, uh, to be able to, to contribute to that. And you can bond providers are still available to this as well. So if you have, you and a couple of your friends want to combine together to, you know, run one of these kind of password notes together. 
um, then you know you can do that. The one negative, though, that we're still trying to figure out a, work, a workaround for that I, I haven't been able to think of one. I don't think that there is, but I could be wrong. Is that the the infrastructure requirements are still the same as running a full validator? So you still need to run a full node of Bitcoin and a full node of Ethereum and, and a and a Thor node and a, and a Bifrost and like all these things, which is you know expensive. Uh, it's between three and five thousand dollars a month in cost in that regard. So. Um, and so that also puts a kind of a, a, a lower base limit on how much room you can bond into the network for, and still be economically profitable with the, with the cost of running all that infrastructure. So that'll it'll be interesting to see how that, how that plays out. Uh, we're still trying to figure out ways to get rid of, uh, make simplify that, in that infrastructure to make it a lot cheaper and, and easier for uh, people to run. Um, and possibly you can even get down downstream, get to effect where, and this requires more research, but. Um, actually having nodes as a service be more prevalent. Now that we don't have user souls anymore, or where single nodes can rug pull their their bond uh, providers, uh, it's now more economically secure. Not 100% because you can still rug pull a, an Asgard, um, but um, with, other, with other people's capital. But it makes it extremely more difficult. You have to have like, instead of having one node, you now have to have like, you know, 13 nodes or something like this or whatever the number is, 14 nodes, something like that. And so that becomes obviously a lot more difficult to, to execute on. Or it's, it's a lot more capital intensive. So uh, we're still investigating this. We're still trying to figure out ways around this to make it even uh, cheaper to run and operate. Because if we can get that cost operation down, then that should make it, that should lower the barrier of entry even more so. But we want that barrier of entry to be as small, as small, as small as possible, just to make sure it allows it most as much people as we can to, pro to provide their room on the bond side, on the security side to secure this network. Awesome. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, yeah, I mean, single-sided like LP for your BTC and stuff like that is obviously like the biggest product in the world. Um, but for the Rune DGENs like me, like uh, <laughs> Rune single-sided uh, and can't run a full node is, uh, you know, that's kind of like the holy grail for a lot of the, the Thor chads. So that's exciting to see. And yeah, hopefully it's um, accessible and not too technically challenging and can kind of be some, some ways of getting, getting in the door there, but yeah, cool. All right. Let's do, let's do the first, uh, let's do the first little announcement here. Um, so for, for mainnet, we, uh, we designed a new, we redesigned the new, the thorchain.com website from the ground up. So, uh, anyone who, um, is on the call right now will have a chance to see the, the preview of it. If someone, if one of the URL into, uh, into like the, 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 the featured section or whatever, um, it's, uh, thorchain-next.netlify.app. And, uh, yeah, I figured, I figured we'd just give you all who are on the call today, uh, a little preview of it. Um, and if you guys have any feedback, um, either hit my DMS on Twitter or, uh, drop it in the developer discord for the, those of you who are, um, who are in there. Um, but yeah, this is, uh, this is the culmination of, um, work from a bunch of different teams, um, you know, and feedback from all, all within the, the community, um, Zurek Saigon, um, over at RuneBase, and, um, and, uh, you know, a bunch of other, a bunch of other people have, uh, have helped contribute to this. So, um, yeah, for those of you who didn't catch it, it's, uh, thorchain-next.netlify.app. And this will probably be hitting the, uh, thorchain.com domain sometime within the next few days. Um, so let's see, should I just tweet that out and someone can share it real quick from here? Yeah. Yeah, if you tweet it out, I can pin it to the top of this. Yeah. Mix. 
cool sweet all right so that's our first little uh, announcement for the uh for the space we got maybe one or two more for you guys if you just stick around here yeah and let me rehash the stuff i went through at the beginning also so uh first off there's a po app for this mainnet launch space so if you have the you need the po app app it's the proof of attendance app and uh you can type in the secret word the secret word is mainnet is here in all caps. So if you download the POAP app and, and type in mainnet is here, all caps, for the secret word, uh, you can be one of the recipients of the POAP for this event. Yeah, just hit the mint button, and then you'll see secret word, and then you can enter that. And uh, yeah, Paper was saying that it is animated, but in the app, it just shows like the kind of the preview. But uh, I, I guess if you go to the desktop version, then you'll see the actual one. But yeah, it looks cool. I, I claimed it. <laughs> Yes. Also in the pinned tweets up above, there is uh, an announcement for Binance Live, which is Sunday. It's a live show that's going to feature uh, Chad Barrett, who's on this call right now, uh, Gavin from Nine Realms, and also Chris from Grassroots Crypto, who's uh, you know well known in this community. And uh, sorry, the, the app is P O A P. So if you've never used Poap before, P O A P. Search that on the App Store, and you can you can get it. So. Okay, so for Binance Live on Sunday, it's this Sunday, the 26th at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So convert that to your own time zone. It's the uh, 27th in Australia that day. So depending on what side of the world you're in, it could be different time. But Sunday, the 26th, 8 p.m., uh, if you reply to the, uh, the pinned tweet up above, the what are your top five questions you want answered in the AMA, you reply to that with, and also include your Binance ID you can win uh, some rune from Binance if you uh, get your question answered in the show. So definitely check that out if you want to win some free rune. And also come into the, the Binance Live on Sunday. This is also a free and open space. So if any, anyone would like to come up, I know we have uh, some people up here like uh, like Khan, who just requested to come up. Uh, DGENs for a Brighter Future, we let up earlier. Also Crypto Italia. So, hey guys. Hey, can you guys hear me? Hey, Khan. Hey, how are you? Um, so, yeah, this is a very exciting uh, celebration. Um, I, first of all, congratulate everyone who um, who spent uh, years and blood <laughs> to, for uh, taking the core chain to, at, to this stage. This is pretty exciting. Uh, one one um, event that I would like to have others' opinion is is that um, like the Torchain mainnet launch basically coincided with a very interesting event in crypto where DYDX also announced their move from a, a roll-up uh, to a Cosmos chain. Uh, I wonder really um, how you guys think about this. Um, like what, what impacts would that have on Torchain? Could there be potential synergies here? Uh, and just general... Uh, views. I was just curious, curious to hear your thoughts. Yeah, it's fascinating to read. Uh, I read through their their document that they wrote up. Um, just kind of wanted to understand the, the perspective and how they're planning to do it. And it, um, they they do so. They, one thing is that people people don't know they they do more like perpetuals uh, and that kind of stuff uh, rather than spot trading, which is what Thorchain does. So it's a little bit of a different beast in many respects. There can be some synergies there for sure. Like we we can actually hook into them. Uh, as a chain integration, uh, which should be relatively easy, um, and then be able to kind of trade between those those two different assets. Um, 
they're using, uh, I would like to get more details on their implementation that's a little bit thin in the, in the documentation right now. Um, but it sounds like they're just using, using an old, their own form of sense, which I don't know where they're getting their price oracles from, but that's kind of an important question to, to answer. And one of the other things that they're doing that's kind of fascinating uh, or conceptually interesting, although I'm not quite certain it will actually function or work properly the way they think it is, but like um, they want to use the mempool as the place to store orders in their order books rather than the chain itself. So you avoid uh, chain bloat for people just adding, adding and removing orders all day. And things only get keeping the chain that are actually orders that get executed. Um, so right, that you can't actually do with Cosmos right now. Um, you need IBC plus um, plus. I'm not sorry, IBC. Uh, ABCI plus uh, plus. That's not available yet in the Cosmos world. Uh, it's probably coming out maybe Q3 or Q4 this year. What's um, lots they say? Probably actually be 2023 if you ask me. That's how engineering works. It always takes things take longer than you than you think they're going to take. Um, so it'd be difficult to do. But the problem with that is that like you now have a cost to nodes, which is storing something in the mempool that doesn't have a cost, right? And so that becomes like a gasless transaction in a matter of speaking, which becomes a point of attack. Uh, so I don't know how they're going to deal with that. They didn't really go into detail about that kind of stuff. And then the other problem is too, that like because Cosmos is a sequence-based system that you 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 order your transactions by providing a sequence in the signature of your transaction. If somebody were to provide multiple orders, but they you can't predetermine know the order of which those orders get executed. So I don't know how that would actually function. Like um, if you have an order for this asset and order for that asset, and then this one is first, it becomes problematic because it can't execute it until the first one's executed. So that becomes like, I don't know how they're going to get around that problem either. So it's conceptually very fascinating and idea and an interesting idea, and it's it's fun to see somebody kind of step away from the roll-up world and head towards a um, a sovereign kind of like uh, app-specific blockchain, which is obviously we're big fans of on on the Torchain project. But like, there's some questions about their implementation that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me at this time, and I would love to get more details from them, you know, downstream. Yeah, um, yeah, that that was uh, very very helpful. Uh, thank you, Chad, for that. Um, I agree. Like, uh, there are many question marks on how the exact implementation would be. The announcement also sounds pretty light, as you, as you said. I think, um, yeah, very curious. But like, as as like uh, lowest hanging fruit, UIDX can potentially um, be uh, yet another chain that Tor chain um, um, uh, basically supports. Uh, which is which is great, I think. Um, and and in future, I just think there will be more and more like layer ones. Um, that like until the this like roll up ecosystem sort of develops, which is really longer than a lot of people expect. I think um, I just expect to see more layer ones that have a lot of economic value on them. Uh, and so that just means like the addressable market is is basically keep, keep going to grow, I think. Yeah, but it's also not not just layer ones, right? Like even if DYDX kind of went the roll-up route and went to like, you know, StarkNet or whatever, um, you know, Sourcing can, can integrate with those as well, right? So it doesn't really matter to, to us as a project whether or not they go on the roll-up side on some layer two concept or you go know, into their own sovereign chain. It's the same from our perspective in, in many respects, at least. And so we can, we can still integrate with them and still kind of share um, capital or, or, or liquidity in a sense. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, that yeah, that is actually true. Thanks for thanks for correcting that. Uh, actually, there there could be also the added value of like, especially like in in both cases, right? In optimistic and zk, the the light light clients, which is pretty much Ethereum, right? Ethereum is almost operates like a smart contracts on Ethereum almost operate like a light client to these rollups. They have a very long time to finality in in either cases, either hours or seven weeks, seven. Days. Uh, in the Tor chain case, it would just be final because Tor, Tor nodes would, would run a full node of those rollups. So there's definitely an added value there. Yeah, I remember we had a conversation with, I think it was, I want to say it was Arbitrum, if I remember correctly, it was a while back. It was like over a year ago about like hooking into something like an Arbitrum. And they, and they, were, they, were, they were telling us was that one of the, the real values of integrating with ThorChain for them was just that uh, you don't have to wait a week to, to get your, you know, get your, your ether off of the layer two, you could get it off more or less now, which is like a really kind of a tasty little feature for them. But you're right. Like we can be very helpful to those L2s and help allow them to have, to move more nimbly, which is really, really powerful. Can, can we also get more color on how would like user experience look like in a DEX aggregation um, uh, feature once the DEX aggregation feature is added? Um, like, what sort of the flow, user flow will, will user go through? What's the interface going to look like? I, I almost feel like it's like, um, like we don't have to like reinvent wheels in a lot of stuff. Like Torchain has, has really solved the hardest challenges. I just think user experience has to become better and better, better for more volume, more traction, et cetera. So I'm really curious to, to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, so the, the UX should be almost no change to the UX, to the user interfaces. Like when you go to, you know, let's just call it like Uniswap, whatever, and you go to, to make a, a, a trade and you're saying, this is the asset I have and this is the asset I want. The only difference now is that you can choose another asset, another, another blockchain or ecosystem. But there's actually no, um, I, I mean, might be a, require a different additional like UX thing in terms of like understanding the complexities of like, okay, you've made a trade to Bitcoin, but Bitcoin's got, you know, 10 minute block time. So it's, you know, being processed, right. Or something like this. Whereas uh, within the same ecosystem, it's, it's the same experience, no matter what asset you're going to. So there's a little bit of a complexity that the UI will have to go through to kind of explain the user or give them some sort of like vision or uh, viewpoint to understand where their trade is like in the progression of their trade. But for the most part, it shouldn't be very much different at all. Other than that, um, the, uh, uh, one one thing that I'm just considering, just a, a shower thought here, um, like in a centralized exchange, um, like in a mature one, I would just like register my uh, addresses, right, for certain networks, and then like to FA them maybe, and just like allow withdrawals to those specific addresses. And so, like a centralized exchange would basically uh, know uh, know me, right? Know, know my profile, know uh, the address associated with my account. And so I don't have to enter an address every time I want to withdraw. Um, could a similar user experience uh, be implemented on Torchain? Because, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but as far as I know, um, currently I just have to enter an address every time I, I, I do interact with Torchain. Uh, I think something like that could be, could be really um, like improvement over on the user experience. Uh, so yes, yeah, so there's nothing technically wrong with what you were just kind of describing. You can totally do that if you wanted to. Um, but I think part of the idea, one of the values of Thorchain versus uh, Acceptance Exchange is that there is no signups. There are no user accounts. There's no 
email and password to, to kind of get into something that's stored on some cloud box server thing someplace in the, in the interwebs. But like uh, you can do that locally, right? You can just like have your, your Asgard X or your Thor, Thor, uh, Thor swap kind of save locally in the cookies of your browser or whatnot uh, or whatever mechanisms to, for local storage and to save like addresses with names, you know, my ledger one address in my, you know, hot wallet one or whatever it is that you want to call your, your wallets, you know, my uncle's wallet or something like this, whatever you want to call it. Uh, you can totally do that. That's just, that's just like, uh, to me, that's a very simple UI thing. Um, and it's up to UIs who maybe there are UIs out there that want to build actual logins where you can store information uh, persisting across different devices. And that's up to the different UIs to, to kind of tackle that and decide for themselves what they want to do. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate these. Um, really don't want to take too much time. Um, just I was curious, curious on those uh, subjects. By the way, uh, Ken, while I had the Ken's one of the guys that um, I've floated some of the early designs of like Thorfy and stuff too. He's a, he's a smart guy on the economics and other and other ways. But like, I actually just wrote a penned up a um, an, a GitLab issue on like order books on Thorchain and how we can do that in a computationally efficient way that doesn't kind of bog down the chain. Um, I'm curious to your perspective, like what, how would that change Thorchain if it had order books other than, rather than just kind of spot trading, uh, on, on demand? Um, so how, how would actually something like that would, would be implemented? Um, yeah, I'm not sure. So would, would providing liquidity become, uh, something like a, like an active process or could it remain passive because i think that's a really crucial part uh, of, of this question yeah i mean it would be pretty much the same as any other work you interface interface with where you have a bunch of let's call it like layer one bitcoin send a layer one bitcoin to the network it depends that you keep that because it mints a synth on your behalf that's what actually happens underneath the hood uh and then it waits for the price of bitcoin to drop to a certain amount or, or whatever it is that you're looking for to, to buy at or maybe sell depending upon which which direction you're going and then when the network has an opportunity to to be able to execute swap against the pool uh with that you know order that you wanted of like oh i put in one bdc i'm looking to get out you know uh thousand um uh you know tethers or whatever tether tokens whatever uh it'll just wait until it has an opportunity to execute it on it, and then it executes it automatically once uh you know the price is there to, to support it I see. Okay. That sounds very interesting. Um, so you would essentially send limit orders to Torchain and they would be executed on Torchain and swapped out to the native assets uh, once executed um, Correct. Or, or just remain on Torchain, I guess. Um, okay. I mean, that sounds like that would increase volume, although I have to think about like all of those limit orders would be just like public inf information for everyone, right? Um, Correct. Uh, correct. But so that would also change some of the um, um, uh, ordering on the swap queue. So I wonder how, how you think about that. The um, Because not normally, like if, if you see a, a limit order like that on your acceptable value, but then if you have a logic em embedded on how you can process those orders and in what order basically they can be processed, um, you sort of eliminate or minimize that that potential MEV, right? So, um, yeah, the, the swap order is still the same. We still have the swap queue and the swap queue orders based upon 
what's the most valuable to the network effectively. And so the order book would just say, oh, um, this order can now be executed. Like it, it can now be satisfied because the, the pool price is this price or whatever it is. And then just basically moves it from the order book into the swap queue and still gets ordered within the, within that swap queue of like the ordering of how that works already and just gets executed. You know? And if there's something happens where the price changes underneath it and it can no longer be satisfied, then it attempts to make a swap. The swap fails due, due to the output uh, coin to- token quantity is not quite what it needed. And therefore it just gets sent back to the order book, wait for, waiting for another opportunity. Sweet. Let's get to some of the other people who are up on stage here. Th- thanks Con for coming up. Appreciate it. Uh, DJ's for a brighter future has been waiting for a while. What's up, man? Hey, uh, everything is fantastic. Uh, I, I don't really have a question. Oh. I, I just wanted to come up and just say how grateful. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. I figured my mic was out. Um, can you hear me now? Yeah, we can hear you. Yeah. Let, yeah, you can finish whatever you're going to say, then we'll move on to some other people. Yeah, I, I think that's a very interesting implementation, basically. Uh, like, there's definitely a demand for it. Uh, many people don't want to uh, stare at the laptop screen waiting to execute their orders. So initially, I just think that would increase volumes. I don't see any risks um, currently, but we'll have to think more about it, I guess. Cool. I'll say the uh, GitLab issue. Uh, downstream. Sorry to interrupt you, uh, at DGENs for Bible Future. No, awesome. Thank you for that. Thank you. Well, anyways, hey, I just wanted to say uh, that I'm very grateful to this community. Uh, it's You guys are awesome. And I wanted to just say that briefly. Um, I had an amazing time with Chad Bearford yesterday. We did a live stream and we asked a lot of questions about mainnet, uh, Monero integration, among many other amazing things going on with Forify, Tor, uh, there's a link in my Twitter. I commented below as well if you'd like to watch that. And uh, Thorchain is inevitable. I think it's so important to have a decentralized point where we can swap between native assets. And uh, I just, I really wanted to emphasize that this is such an important project and it's done so much for me. And I'm just very grateful that, uh, that Chad, you took the time to come on. Uh, anyways, I, I look forward to hearing uh, hearing more, learning more. and uh, and. Uh, yeah, I know. It's corny. It's corny. I know. I'm a corny person. But anyways, <laughs> uh, you you all keep doing what you're doing. Uh, thank you so much for your support. Uh, links in my Twitter. And uh, yeah, I look forward to doing more fun things on ThorChain. Cheers. Sweet, sweet. Um, Crypto Italia, I see you've been waiting for a bit. Do you want to go ahead and uh, ask your question? Hello. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Um, I have a quick question for uh, Chad, referring what 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 you you was telling before for Chad and for the UE uh, builder. Um, uh, it will be possible to um, open um, community on nodes, so to offer so single staking uh, rune. Um, because yes, in one side there are institutional and uh, big capitals can that don't want to, uh, to be exposed to Rune, but there are small investors and retail that uh, maybe are very interested and cannot absolutely get to the point. Uh, um, we're talking about thousand um, token of the point to nod, and um, so eventually building it. Um, under a DAO where community will provide capital to the node and uh, share. I think that's maybe also helpful for, uh, sorry for, for my bad English and um, 
Also, I have a couple of drink and, and a couple of spliff. So sorry about that if I'm not, but that's the point. I mean, it would be possible to run an old community on salt water, um, um, single skin room as well for small, um, for retails. Yeah, sorry. I think I missed part of that because of uh, kind of some audio problems, possibly. Uh, maybe it's just me, but I'm not sure if everybody else heard better than me but uh yeah i think the question was really about like getting so, so people can earn room in their room um without having the um high cost of room requirements and the infrastructure requirement um yeah that is something that i i think myself and other people continue to kind of ponder on and think on and uh, think of a, a way we can do that in a way that does not uh take from the security of the network right it doesn't put place any any new risks on the network that's something that's at least important, very important for myself in thinking about this problem. Um, we're still thinking on it. I don't have an answer for that quite yet. I've been thinking on it on and off for the last year or so, but uh, we, we still want to come up with a, with a solution one of these days. But not yet, but we might come up with one at some point. Crypto Italia, you're an absolute legend. I love your accent. I would love to share a, a drink and a spliff and maybe an espresso with you one day. Paper X, you've been waiting patiently. What's up? Oh, uh, I just figured, um, you know, I mentioned something in response to the previous question about uh, just the UX around, you know, managing so many cross-chain wallets um, on, on you know, ThorChain interfaces. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, we are just, I mean, Thor Names has gone um, live on mainnet um, and that should be really pretty soon on ThorSwap for you to register. And in a way, I think that addresses some of the, uh, you know, the, the sort of the tediousness around um, what we talked about. Uh, was sort of mentioned by um uh, uh sorry i forgot your name um can <laughs> um yeah but previously mentioned right so in in a sense what that would would enable um for those who don't know what thorn names is you can you know register a name service um like such as you know chad.thor and then you uh assign a um you know a btc address a eth address and like basically every l1 chain um on thorswap um you, and so in the future, when you, whenever you want to swap, you could just enter that, you know, chat.thor, and if you want to swap for BTC, it will just send it to your Bitcoin address. So um, I think that kind of answers part of the um, dilemma um, that was previously raised about, you know, like just managing so many different wallets. Um, obviously, you know, there's there's uh, a lot of um, cross-chain wallets now. Um, I think people are, you know, obviously, uh, you know, realizing the importance of that. And, you know, obviously, um, one of our ecosystem, you know, good friends, uh, XDeFi, you know, is is someone that's you know working on on that obviously. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, like you know, even for us at Thorswap, we're working on our own mo mobile wallet called Hammer Wallet, which will um, you know kind of bring that sort of you know c centralized exchange disk experience that was sort of mentioned, where you know you just have to connect your wallets once, and um, when you enter the app, um, it'll know that all your addresses, and you just swap. You know, and then ThorChain sort of does everything on the background for you. Um, so I think in terms of the ThorChain like um, experience with you know dealing with so many different chains and like you know just the multi-chain future that we're kind of heading into, um, the user experience will just get better and better. Um, but in the meantime, um, Thor Names is coming out. You know, like well, it's out on the mainnet already, um, and it should be live for you know everyone to register on ThorSwap um, pretty soon. So um, definitely, you know, grab one of those if you're. You know, just want to streamline your, you know, um, cross-chain, um, you know, uh, training experience, basically. Well, let me be aware of that, though, just so people are, like, the differences of, like, 
if you pull a, if you get a Thor name, you're registering some name with some address, which is kind of like doxing yourself, depending upon what that name is. The name is like Chad Barrowford, then obviously I'm doxing myself that this is my address, right? At least that's probably true. But if my name is like OX04725012 or, or something like this, then it doesn't really dox much. Versus if you had like a, some sort of local storage way of naming, you know, chains or sorry, naming addresses, then that's not publicly disclosing any information. So just, just so people are aware when they're looking at Thor names, this kind of that you're, that you are publicly um, associating this name with this address. So just be conscious of that. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I suppose we still have our, um, we still have our key store method. Um, whereas if it's just encryption of um, all your, all your um, wallet addresses and, you know, you just have to, this one extra step of obviously dragging in the file, but it's, I guess it's similar to the, you know, centralized exchange experience of typing in a password and, and, you know, having all your wallets connected. To back up for a minute, it's pretty incredible how uh, the UX of multi-chain wallets has really been evolving over the past year. Uh, in the past, you, you really haven't seen uh, this type of interactions between wallets. People use one wallet for their Bitcoin, they use another wallet for their ETH, like maybe MetaMask, and they use something else for all their other chains. And it's really been incredible over the past you know, uh, year plus of uh, you know, ThorChain hardening and ChaosNet, the different wallets that are uh, you know, as, part of the, as part of this multi-chain community, which obviously includes uh, you know, really hardcore principles like, like self-custody and you know, non-custodial wallets. It's really been awesome to look at the evolution of these wallets and how it makes the multi-chain experience better, swapping between your own self-custody wallet on chain A to your own self-custody wallet on another chain just from one user interface. And apps like XDeFi Wallet and Thor Wallet have done a really great job at making that experience a lot better and smoother. And I'm sure that like I, Pluto, Pluto and I have talked about this a lot in the past where it's, it's so obvious that this is the way that things are going to have to be in the future. People, uh, if, they, if they get stuck in a, a single chain wallet, they're anchored to that one ecosystem. They're beholden to that company that maintains, you know, let's say MetaMask wallet to, you know, only use whatever kind of apps that uh, that wallet supports. But, you know, we see a future of more multi-chain interoperability along with, uh, you know, the self-custody, the principles of self-custody. So it's been great watching the evolution of these self-custody wallets. And, you know, hopefully we, we really see the improvement of their UX and more wallets, more options for users in the future as it, you know, as we kind of delve more into the, into the multi-chain world. Uh, I got to come in here now Yeah, about, the issue of bridges, you know, I think you guys heard about the Harmony hack. It's a lot of money. $100 million worth of assets have been exploited. I suppose if code is law, technically speaking, has been stolen. It's been uh, placed in someone else's hands. To quote Omar Little from The Wire, money ain't got no owners. Money only got spenders. But you see, I think, you know, as someone who's worked with the Harmony ecosystem for quite a while, um... The idea of having a bridge controlled by a four signatory wallet, only two signatures were necessary to drain the entire wallet versus a trustless bridge or something like ThorChain where, you know, it has a lot of the same trustless elements, right? Because it uses the liquidity pool systems. 
having this kind of multi-chain swap feature where it does still have the native tokens involved, it you know, it would have avoided the $100 million loss. Well, maybe it will not be a $100 million loss. Who knows what will happen to it? But um, I'm not sure what's going to happen to Harmony. Its market cap is only $300 million. Had it been using a Thor chain type solution, and it was mostly ETH, right, that was taken. So it could have. It could have run some kind of integration of Thor chain or something like that, or at least invested in advertising the services of ThorChain instead of the bridge with four signatories. Four signatories, two of which were only necessary to drain the whole thing. It does have a trustless BTC bridge, but in many ways that kind of captures a lot of the features of ThorChain, but it's still worse. And I say this as someone who's been working with Harmony for um, quite a while and uh, is involved in the development community. And it's uh, it's uh, uh, one third of the market cap of Harmony is now gone. I don't know what you would call it. It's certainly going to be problematic. I don't think that people are going to get reimbursed, but this is the third bridge hack of significance in the last three months that I can remember. Yeah. Bridges so, suck so my, 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 um, my call or my request would be for like any communities or for any projects who are thinking about like building their own bridge. Um, don't do it. Just Use Thorchain. Well, like, that's obvious. I just said that though. So you're just repeating what I'm saying. But um, as someone who is building, and um, I think the issue is not necessarily the issue of the bridge. Uh, for example, um, it, it you know Thorchain from their perspective, right? Do they do have to have the assets involved? So for example, I'm looking at a network which is a relatively new network um, called Shardum. It's a terrible name. Shardum. Oh God. But anyway, um, they would need to integrate those assets into Thorchain and. Uh, that would be important for, you know, the multi-chain swaps, right? Otherwise, um, you could just send the, uh, the assets from ThorChain into Shardom at some point when the integration arrives, correct? Um, however, you know, it is relatively easy to create a bridge, but it's relatively hard to manage the security of the bridge, right? Well, it I don't know if it's relatively hard. It it. It, it, it is something that seems easy, therefore people get complacent. And that's that's unfortunate, right? Because Harmony has just lost one third of its market cap. Two of its core team members obviously didn't give a fuck and had their seed phrases either stolen or something else. So for someone who's building a new pro a project uh, for a small chain, you, have, you do have to wait for the ThorChain integrations or the ThorChain liquidity pools to run up with the native tokens of that chain though so that that is something you have to be aware of i mean a bridge is a good is a good initial step you know there aren't many other options but you know maybe if we give thorchain a bit more love because thorchain is amazing we can get a lot of smaller chains with some native assets through into thorchain so we can not worry about you know creating bridges but it should also be mentioned i would like to ask a question to to chad not chad thorchain but chad the good looking one uh Hello. Are you saying that Chad <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I would just like to ask, what is the difference between what Seller Network does and ThorChain does? I mean, obviously, I'm kind of aware what the differences are, but how would you lay out the differences? Me? Uh, I, I'm not even too aware of Seller Network. Sorry. Uh, I don't think I'm okay. qualified then I give to up. that. <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's spelled C-E-L-E-R. It does do some multi-chain stuff. It doesn't use liquidity pool model. Um, I would guess at some point ThorChain can start doing multi-chain NFTs. That's the only advantage I see a seller network right now. But once you guys can start doing some multi-chain NFTs, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, I don't really know a whole lot of seller. Like I, I, I've heard about it in passing, and I haven't actually taken the time to to dive into the like the, the depths of how it works. But uh, my understanding is that it, it's it's really just a bridge like any other, more or less. Um, in which case, assets are secured 
probably by multi-sig. I'm not 100 certain about that. Like again, I never actually I haven't read that actual paper. That's what I've heard about it thus far. And so it's not quite um, you know cutting the mustard from my perspective. But it's a lot of bridges. It's like 50 bridges. It's like, the, you know, if you were in Venice, it's like Venice, you know, it's like got little bridges. Got big bridges. <laughs> well, yeah. So if, if I wanted to build a bridge with, with 50 different blockchains, I could probably do it, you know, within a month, to be honest with you. Uh, it would just would be very insecure because I'd run it myself out of my own, like out of my own, you know, one of the rooms in my, in my place or whatever. Like, it's not hard to build bridges in the sense of like, oh, you know, you can send me Bitcoin and I'll, and I'll send you Ethereum on the other side. Like, that's relatively easy. We've seen that, like, AnySwap did that pretty quickly and, and these kind of things. But then, like, that's not really adhering to the ethos of what, you know, this industry is all about, about being trustless and, and you know, uh, not having centralized parties, but like facilitating things and stuff like that. So I guess it's, I'm not too, uh, I haven't dived, like I said, I haven't dived into the depths of it, but I'm not really too concerned about it. Well, let's move on to Jiraiya HCS. What's up? Hey guys. Uh, I just wanted to drop in here. I had a quick question, but before I ask my question, I just wanted to say a massive shout out and a massive thank you to paper X that I see on the chat here. Um, the other day I was trying to uh, LP using my hard wallet and it was such a massive pain and I got so annoyed and I ended up going to the uh, ThorSwap Discord, opening a ticket and uh, PayPal uh, managed to help me out with a lot of patience and a lot of grace. So uh, I do really, really appreciate it. I appreciate the work that people are doing in LPU University as well. Um, I think these two discords are really you know, um, imperative um, to obviously you know, boost adoption and whatnot. Um, so this kind of brings me on to my next question, or my only question rather. Um, I was on the announcements channel of um, ThorSwap Discord just now, or yesterday, and I saw an article that said that Thor Yield V2 is going to be coming out sometime in July. I think it was July 15th or July 25th. can't remember exactly. Um, is there any information that uh, with respect to what we can expect when that is released? Um, I haven't really seen any kind of articles or anything on it. Um, so yeah, any information would be appreciated. Yeah, there were a couple of tweets from the Thorial account. Um, we can kind of keep this space more focused on ThorChain and Mainnet, but there should be a ThorSwap space this coming Thursday. So we can we can talk more about that there. But yeah, check out check out some of those Thorial tweets if you want some teasers on what's coming with that. And and yeah, shout out shout out to Paper. I mean, two hundred followers. Come on, guys! Like, give, give Paper a follow. He's a such a uh, such a helpful part of this community and uh, does, does a lot behind the scenes. So yeah, big shout out to Paper. <laughs> thanks, thanks. Um, actually, while you're here, Dwyer, um, I was I was actually gonna elaborate on the, the the previous point I was making, which was um, in regards to multi-chain wallets. Um, I think like blockchain is. Like, you know, we're obviously ahead of the game when it comes to multi-chain. Um, and in some respects, like, yeah, a lot of um, a lot of times, like, we, we're kind of waiting for folks to catch up. Uh, so in, in, in the case of Drive, for example, um, you know, as we, obviously, you know, because Thorchain obviously uh, attracts so many folks that are um, passionate about, you know, self-custody and security. And uh, so, you know, we have situations where, you know, hardware wallets like, like Ledger is designed, you know, for for single chain, you know? Um, so sometimes you have situations where um, you're trying to connect like multiple uh, wallets on Ledger and the you know, sometimes like in uh, you might be connecting two Ledger wallets um, to ThorSwap at once, you know, for different um, chains. So yeah, I think a lot of these cases are situations where like Ledger hasn't even like thought of and we're kind of actually just, you know, obviously experimenting and uh, 
you know, there's some hurdles to overcome, but yeah, um, super, you know, um, happy to see that folks, you know, obviously are really passionate about, you know, self-custody. And I think that's definitely one of the, you know, the most important things about um, for change. Yeah, just adding on to that, um, obviously with the whole ledger integration, um, it made it very kind of difficult to do the whole process of providing liquidity because obviously, as you know, I made the whole mistake of connecting two separate ledgers and as a result, there was uh, some bugs that arose. Um, and obviously, you know, um, this is going to be something that I feel is, you know, um, some kind of barrier essentially towards adoption because obviously, you know, uh, one very key aspect is to make it a very streamlined process to provide liquidity. But if someone who is relatively experienced in crypto is still struggling to do something as simple as providing liquidity, right? Um, because I'm using a hard wallet, um, like my question is, you know, how is, is there some kind of roadmap or is there some kind of implementation in future that will make it very easy for people to do it without much hassle because um yeah it would be annoying to have a stream of people coming into discord asking you for help every time right oh uh, we've got a new ledger flow um ux like that's being worked on and should be um patched out soon as well with all swap so yeah we're definitely aware of it um and and i guess well on the top of ledger um uh, if everyone on this channel, uh, on this space could go hassle like Ledger to support blockchain app or Ledger Nano S Plus, that would help out a lot of folks who, you know, who purchase their new Ledger. Because um, I think we're still waiting for them to like, you know, accept that. Yeah, the, uh, especially the hardware wallet space has a long way to go for getting the UX correct for multi-chain swaps. But one day it, it'll be here in its full glorious form. Anyone will be able to swap very easily from one coin on their hardware wallet to another coin on their hardware wallet. And that'll be a great day that we, that we can uh, see all these things happen. I don't think that a lot of these companies have really thought about the user experience of swapping cross chain yet, especially in a, you know, decentralized, non-custodial manner. So yeah, definitely follow what PaperX is saying. Re request it from Ledger. They need to know that uh, this is something that their users want and be able to make the, these non-custodial swaps right from their own hardware wallet. So hopefully we can get uh, a ThorChain integration there one day. Amazing. Yeah, I look forward to the day as well. Thanks for taking my question. And uh, yeah, thanks for hosting the space. And just wanted to give a massive shout out to everyone in the team. You guys are doing amazing. For sure. Thanks for the question and comments. And uh, one quick tip on that is, uh, yeah, like like Paper said, you know, doing stuff to simplify the LP flow with, with Ledger. But but for swaps, um, you know, it's really no problem. One thing you can do is kind of like what, what Khan was talking about earlier, but you can just manually enter your recipient address. So if you're only trying to swap between two different ledgers, uh, I know that wasn't your case, but for other people, uh, you can just like paste in your recipient address. Uh, you can just kind of click the gear icon, uh, on ThorSwap. I'm sure other apps have this feature too, but then you can just connect the side you're sending from and just manually enter, uh, your recipient address for the, for the other end. Uh, let's go with, uh, zero X bigger. What's up? Hey guys, uh, so just I have some questions on uh, bridges, and um, I want to just uh, firstly I would like to applaud the team what you've been doing here. It's remar remarkable. I mean, even Aiden Adams thought you guys are a scam, and so he launched your minutes. So you're obviously onto something. And so over the past few weeks, I've been uh, researching bridges, and you know I feel like they are a very important piece for cross chain composability. You know now we have something like 
as granular as BTC is, you can't really use it in DeFi without centralized bridges, basically like RabBTC, something like MakerDAO. And that's a very important piece to bring to the table. And you guys are offering these uh, cross-chain swaps or native cross-chain swaps. Like nobody really believes you could do it. And you know, you had some ups and, ups and downs and all that and you're here today. So my question really is, uh, is it really possible, you know, theoretically to build a uh, decentralized bridges? Like could you talk, I'm not... I'm not saying you should do it. I'm just asking because you could do, you know, cross-chain swaps natively. Could you also build cross-chain bridges that decentralize, you know, instead of one point of failure, you know, because I'm just tired. Every other week, there's a new bridge hack, 100 million, 60 million. It's, it's just too repetitive and it's sickening at this point. Like we need a solution to this in the community. So what do you guys think about that? Like decentralized bridges, are they possible theoretically and all that? That's my question. Uh, so there's two ways you can always secure assets, right? In, in the world of like we're in the real world. And there's, and there's either through a trust mechanism or economic incentives, right? There's, there's only two ways that I can, that I really am aware of myself at least. And so all these bridges we talk about, they're all uh, kind of lean on the trust side, right? That it requires that the operators of that bridge are, you know, are going to secure their private keys well, and that they're not going to rug pull and all that kind of stuff. Um, and because of the the uh, value that they're securing is detached from the value they put up in their security, there's no coupling there. That means that the that there's no inherent security uh, aspect, economic security on the on the design itself. And so just because the Bitcoin price goes up a lot, it means that it becomes insecure. Um, the only way to do it that I can think of uh, and maintain that security is if it's kind of like similar to liquidations on like loans, where as a node operator, you put up, you know, 500 of some asset and then the, the Bitcoin price is going up. And therefore, you know, the, the value of the security is, is, less, is heading towards the less than the value of the asset you're securing. And then you're forced to like dump more of your asset into the like acquire more and dump it in. It's kind of similar to how you defend yourself against a liquidation. That's possible, um, but you know that's problematic because if, if somebody doesn't have that money, then they get basically you know they get liquidated effectively, and then you lose that security. And then so it's not really a very good mechanism. Although it's, it's better than nothing, I suppose. But like it's nothing nearly as well designed as what. Oh, thank you for that. Thank you. Yeah. Um, to go into this a little further, I guess when, when the other guy brought up uh, bridges, I just want to talk, like, talk for a second about how non-transparent these bridges are, how, you know, you really do have to trust the security of these bridges, especially the holders of any, any multi-sig, really. And uh, Thorchain's threshold signature scheme design with rotating vaults uh, that verifiably prove that they have access to all of the funds every single time that the that the vaults churn uh, and you know prove that all of the assets on Thorchain are solvent and uh, that the nodes have access to move those funds and send those funds to users. Uh, it's just a, a much more trustless way of uh, moving cross chain than some kind of trusted bridge where a lot of these security mechanisms are obscured. And that includes things like, you know, upgradable proxy contracts and multi-sigs. Uh, a lot of these, a lot of these things just aren't transparent with, with these bridges that, you know, we, we see a lot of these uh, problems with, and people don't know the security mechanisms behind the bridges that they trust their funds with, that they rely on to move between one chain and the other. So I think that's a big, uh, 
you know, distinction when talking about Thorchain in relation to uh, a bridge. Thanks for coming up, Bigger. Uh, let's get uh, Token Pet up here. What's up, man? Or uh, Finblow. Hey, guys. I was just uh, wondering when the uh, idea of single-sided uh, yield came back and you know, kind of resurfaced a few weeks ago, I think there were sort of two competing proposals out there. Uh, one where single-sided assets uh, would get paired with uh, single-sided rune just from you know regular community members. And... Uh, and that seems to have been passed up for, uh, for what Chad's been more more recently descri- describing, which is single sided asset getting essentially paired with the uh, um, the reserve rune. I'm just curious uh, if somebody can speak a little bit more as to you know why why the decision was made to um, to pair the single sided asset with the reserve as opposed to uh, um, to to rune from from people that want to earn uh, yield on their rune. Thanks. Yeah. So um, the first thing to be aware of is that you cannot have a situation where like one person walk up with some Bitcoin and another pick up another person walk up with some Rune, and you just kind of pair them together, and then like all is right in the world. That sounds like it works. Um, it, it, I thought I did it at first at first glance when I first started thinking about this problem a while back. But once you actually go through the mathematics of it all, it doesn't actually work like that. The math doesn't really work out the way that you, you kind of think that it would work out. It's counterintuitive, but that's how it is. Uh, and so what's actually happening here is that the reserve is taking on, um, is uh, adding rune into the pool, taking on liquidity on both assets, on the, on the Bitcoin and the rune, for example. And it's providing like protection against the rest of the LPs, the regular LPs, like, you know, you as an LP or and it's, it's providing protection against this kind of like this leveraged effect of, on the root asset that you have because synthetics exist in this network. And so you could do a thing where hypothetically, um, you know, you could provide the, the network some room and then it, like into the protocol itself and the protocol just deploys your rune on your behalf. And then, you know, the network using your rune and so the protocol's rune to accomplish the same goal. And so the net result of that is that you would not be single-sided yourself. You'd be double, double-sided, uh, which kind of defeats the point to some regard. But you're also not picking and choosing which assets you're exposing yourself to. And technically, you'd be exposing yourself to like all of the assets on the network, which you know maybe that's not something you really want to be exposed to. Maybe you don't want to be exposed to, to Doge or Litecoin, or, or maybe you do. Like, who knows? Like Everybody's different. And so I, I didn't really find it at least cognitively for myself, uh, that it it warranted the additional complexity in the the code to support random people providing the room for this purpose, just because it didn't really accomplish what what I think people are looking for, which is to earn room in the room without exposure to other assets. Um, And so I just just didn't go down that that rabbit hole for that purpose. Does that that make sense? Yeah, it does. Uh, Appreciate it. And... uh... Um, great job, and uh, it was also good to, to meet a bunch of you folks in uh, in Austin a couple weeks ago. I really enjoyed it. Hey, man. Yeah, great to meet you as well. By the way, while we were on this call, there was uh, two new, uh, I guess, proposals that were passed through uh, Node Mamir, and that being uh, the passing of uh, Adam Chain. So that means that the validators have all agreed now that uh, Adam Chain will be added to the network. So. Uh, I, hopefully we're looking at a, a launch date within the next week or two with Adam. It's, it's all ready to go. It's baking on StageNet right now. And 
in addition to that, the nodes have also set the start of the uh, ERC-20 and BEP2 rune kill switch. So if anyone here is holding native rune, uh, sorry, if anyone here is not holding native rune, they hold their rune in a, a Binance chain wallet or a, like an ERC-20 wallet, like, like MetaMask, uh, they should upgrade to native Rune on its own blockchain. Uh, you know, you'll need a new wallet and you just upgrade your Rune one-to-one. After the kill switch starts, which is in about a month, uh, it'll, it'll take about a year, but the redemption will go from one-to-one a native Rune all the way down to, to zero over that time period. So definitely upgrade if you don't have native Rune right now. And tell all your friends, too. Any friends that are holding like that two Rune or, or ERC-20 Rune, like uh, get on their backs and tell them to upgrade. Yep, a lot of centralized exchanges have announced the support for the uh, the switch to mainnet Rune. So uh, that includes exchanges like Binance, KuCoin, Kraken, and uh, a bunch of other ones. I don't know if you know the others off the top of your head, Chad. But yeah, a, lo- a lot of exchanges have announced support. Uh, so definitely check if you're holding if you hold your Rune on a centralized exchange, uh, which is you know uh, it seems kind of crazy to me, but. Um, if you hold your rune on a centralized exchange, uh, some are upgrading to native rune, but you should definitely double check that the rune that uh, they are supporting the mainnet upgrade. Pluto, do you want to give like a little update on on, on Gaia and the state and uh, when that's happening and such? Yeah, for sure. Um, on the next software update um, that goes out to ChaosNet, which is one point nine two, which is currently baking in StageNet right now. Um, and testnet. Um, so I think we'll probably not release that until Monday at this point. Um, I might be wrong. It might go out like in the next few hours or it could go out on Monday. But once it goes out on Monday, um, that will basically do a couple things. Um, uh, 192 is actually a really big and, and fun release. Um, one, one of the notable features that's actually going out in 192 is DEX aggregation. Um, so we can actually talk about that a little bit some more because that's super exciting. Um, but the, uh, the two things that are going to be changing as well, um, that kind of affect nodes and node infrastructure will be, um, finally removing the Terra daemons. Um, so as we, as we all know, last week, Terra was formally Ragnarok from the network. Um, and so now, um, on the next churn after 192, the, uh, the Terra daemons will be shut down and the, the vault will basically be destroyed for Terra. Um, and in its place, um, node operators will be spinning up the Gaia daemons, which will begin their, um, their sync process. Um, once we've given that a couple days to sync, we'll be enabling the actual Gaia integration and Bifrost. Um, via another brief update. And then from that point, we will be churning. And then the new um, Adam L1 um, pool or inbound addresses, vault, whatever you call them, uh, will, will be created. Um, and then from that point, people will be able to add liquidity and swap in the Atom asset, which is super exciting um, because combined with the DEX aggregation feature, which is also coming out in 192, um, you know, we are, we're looking at, um, the ability to use, um, like osmosis, for example, to swap from, uh, any asset on Thorchain using, um, essentially the swap out function to, uh, to, to swap any asset, um, in the IBC universe as well via, via something like osmosis. Um, and so it's, it's similar to the, you know, the, the, the Ethereum aggregation pattern where we're basically, um, we are 
outsourcing liquidity for like all of the alts on on their respective chains to that native chains dex um and i think that just overall is like a better design pattern for for liquidity like i think that thorchain should be having the deepest pools of the l1s and should leave the alts on those l1s um, to the uh, leave the liquidity for those alts to those um, L1s respective DEXs. So like rather than trying to compete with um, Uniswap for, you know, $100 million USDC liquidity, um, the, y- y- the, the security on the Thorchain network is better used for um, deepening like the ETH pool. That way, if you swap from a really deep Bitcoin pool to a really deep ETH pool, you can use um, the ETH that you get from that trade um, to basically uh, to swap on um, on Uniswap's uh, aggregator or sorry, its contract into USDC. So you'll get a better price if you just have if you use DEX aggregation plus deep pools on Thorchain. So I think that like DEX aggregation kind of fundamentally changes um, the shape of the network to being, um, to being more short, you know, having really a lot of depth on short tail tokens and then leveraging hard on the, um, on the DEX aggregation. So, um, yeah, super, um, super excited for Gaia to land. Um, and, uh, and once we, once that's underway in, you know, in a couple months, we'll be exploring opportunities, um, to do DEX aggregation on Cosmos chains as well. So, um, EVM is still, is still first. So we're still going to be like seeing, um, you know, um, sushi swap and Uniswap aggregations into, um, you know, into, into DEXs and, and aggregators like ThorSwap and Rango. Um, but then also, um, you know, as, as the DEX aggregator pattern matures, we'll be seeing, um, them in, in the Cosmos ecosystem as well. So, um, super excited to get Gaia out. Um, you know, it was, it was definitely really a lot easier because it's just a copy and paste of the Terra code. Um, and so for that reason, like any Cosmos chain, um, can be launched relatively easily. So I, I would not be surprised if, um, you know, if, if we started a campaign to add osmosis chain, um, after like AVAX, for example, um, there's a couple other chains, you know, if we, if we, if we want to talk about like the sequencing of chains, there's a couple that have been in the pipe, like dash, um, that, you know, that, that might also be, um, you know, slated, but, um, just in terms of like new chains, like, you know, anything that's in the cosmos ecosystem can be added quite quickly at this point. Um, and we've proven that we can, you know, go from Gaia, uh, sorry, from Terra to Gaia. So, um, you know, definitely looking for the community's feedback on what other cosmos chains, um, I think EVM most Eve, most, I don't know how to pronounce it. Um, Juno, Osmosis are all definite candidates. So yeah, definitely looking forward to adding like at least, um, a few more Cosmos changes, but uh, chains by the end of the year. What about uh, is Moonbeam in, in the works? Moonbeam, um, I've never heard of Moonbeam to be honest. But if if people Moon, think it's Moonbeam, good, yeah, Moonbeam is the uh, Polkadot EVM chain. Uh, we we've had a couple conversations with them, um, and I, I think this could actually be uh, you know our our you know foot in the door into the Polkadot ecosystem. 
Um, because yeah, for everyone that does not know, Polkadot has a different like signing curve than our Thorchain vaults currently support. Um, however, Moonbeam uses the same same one as Ethereum, so it would be an easier integration. Um, so yeah, I think after um, Adam, Avax, Dash, you know the ones that are currently in the mix, this could be a, a really cool one to look into. Cool. Uh, any other questions or comments from the audience? Um, uh, Mogarki's up here. Hey, what's up, guys? How's it going? Uh, pretty good. Congrats to everybody on mainnet. It's exciting times. Uh, Rune is still heavily on sale, so get it while you can. Uh, <laughs> I just had a question about Kill Switch. Uh, if my math is correct, I think we've only got like 25 days until that kicks in. Uh, I'm wondering if there are outstanding centralized exchanges that are not making the switch and then how that might impact their order books? Uh, I'm not aware of any off the top of my head, at least. Um, I'm not, I, yeah, I can't think of any. I think um, I'm trying to think of a certain one that was. Like, there were some, like, um, in the earliest days of, of Thorchain, like there was um, something called, a, not BitMax, but BitMax or, or something like this. I'm not sure if they, they switched over or not. Cool. Yeah, it looks like um, I haven't kept track of all the different sexes, but I think that FTX is, I guess, delisting Rune, or are they bringing back Native? I think they're bringing back Native. Like, I'm not sure what's happening there. Um, to be honest with you, like they sent out this weird, like, cryptic article that was like just phrased really odd. Like, and, and so, I mean, they're early investors into Thorchain. Like, they've been investors for a very long period of time. So, I don't know what's going on with them right now. Maybe they're just distracted on other things or, or who knows what, but like, but my, my not, but to my knowledge, they're planning on listing native rune. They just wanted to, to delist, you know, BEP2 rune first before listing the native asset, which is what everybody else is doing. Everybody else is doing the same thing, delisting the old and, and listing the new, but like, um, but I haven't heard from them in a while. Cool. Yeah. It just made me a little bit nervous thinking about like, if there's an entire market, it gets stuck out there and all of a sudden the whole thing is kill switched. That would be uh, pretty interesting, but hopefully they yeah. all get knocked out before 25 days comes along. You don't want that, of course. Um, by the way, like it's kind of a funny idea that, that the community can like start kind of thinking about or conceptually is that like whatever amount of rune after this like year is over and the kill switch is done and all this kind of stuff, whatever quantity of rune is left over, that that just gets reminted back into the network, into the protocol, and just starts getting admitted into the as block rewards for the LPs and nodes. Largely, I think that's one of the, one of the one of the ideas we have to do after that point, or just leave it burned. That's another another option. Yeah, I was under the uh, assumption that it would just be burned, but that's that's a, also an interesting alternative. Yeah, by default, it's just going to be burned, and so the the max market cap of Rune will be five hundred million minus whatever the quantity of Rune that just never migrated over. Um, but then that has a, is an option to the community to, to take that amount and just mint it into the protocol, um, the protocol reserve, and then just admit it out as rewards to the community. Yeah, Mogarki, okay. your point does make me wonder about uh, kind of the more like second tier exchanges like like Gate or Uphold or probably a bunch of other ones. And uh, yeah, I'm curious if anyone kind of knows if, if, they're, if they're switching over. Um, and, and definitely if, if anyone listening is holding on kind of like smaller exchanges or knows people that are like definitely good to give them a heads up to switch it over just in case these kind of less popular exchanges might not be as on top of their stuff. Okay. Um, hi, Chad. Um, I would like to ask, 
Um, are you expecting more institutional money coming in now that we are celebrating mainnet? And do you think um, it's going to pose any threats? Uh, it's going to pose any risks? I, I think I missed the first part of that. What's going to pose any risks? I ask that um, or now that we are celebrating the mainnet, do you expect more institutional money coming in? And also, do you think that institutional money coming in now is going to pose any new risks? Uh, yes, I do think institutional money will be coming in, um, especially once we get this yield, you know, single-sided yield thing going uh, in the next, you know, few weeks or whatever it is, month or whatever it is. Um, once we get that feature launched and, and deployed, like that's going to be, that's to me, that's going to open kind of the, fun, the floodgates, at least start the process to open the floodgates uh, for institutional capital. And then your second question is whether that poses any risks. Um, Posing a risk. Well, there's a couple of things that happened in that context. Um, one is that um, the protocol starts deploying room to the pools to counteract the synthetic um, uh, utilization risk to the LPs. So room start start to go uh, deployed to the pools, which is a good thing in one sense. Uh, in a bad sense, it will reduce the room in the reserve, which means the block rewards will be reduced at that point as well. And tie that with you know deeper pools relative to bond. Uh, the yield of an LP will, will probably drop um, as, as a result of that, and then yield will increase for, for nodes. The pendulum will start swinging in the other direction. Uh, that's all okay in my, my viewpoint. Like the, 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 all, these, all these systems, all these, uh, all these implementations are just there to allow the free market to adjust itself in you know, near, near real time, a nearish real, real time to you know, adjust itself to what the market needs rather than being some sort of down from on our activity for sure. Um, and if that could have an effect on LP yield, at least in the short term, that's true, but maybe not in the long. Uh, but no, I don't see any significant problems with that. Cool. If there's anyone else that wants to come up, you can hit that request button. Let me just go through the announcements from today again. Uh, first off, there's a trading competition going on right now with, on Binance for Rune. So any user who trades at least uh, 3,500 Rune during the promotion period uh, will be ranked on their total Rune trading volume. And there's, uh, there's a bunch of prizes that are available. I, I think it's $400,000 for this Rune trading competition. So I guess if you are first place in, in volume on Binance, you can win $50,000 in Rune. Uh, and then $40,000 for second place, $30,000 for second place. There's a lot of prizes on this thing. Uh, and it's open from the 24th. So I guess it is open today, actually. And it is... It concludes on the seventh of July, so it's uh, it's on it's one of the pinned tweets that's on uh, the top of the space here. So just scroll up and check out the the Rune trading competition on Binance. Huge amount of prizes there, and also uh, Chad Barriford, Gavin from Nine Realms, and Chris from Grassroots Crypto will be on Binance Live this Sunday, uh, the twenty sixth at eight p.m. Eastern, and that's uh, just another AMA and Q and A on Binance Live. And if you ask a question that is answered during the live stream, you can win uh, Rune prizes as well. There's a bunch of Rune going out to people who uh, ask questions that are answered on stream or selected, I believe. Uh, it's, it's also one of the pinned tweets on top. So uh, scroll all the way to the right and you'll see the AMA questions. Just ask your question there. I put your Binance user ID and you can win uh, a bunch of prizes from Binance just for asking a question to, to Chad for the next space. Other than that, uh, we have the 
redesigned thorchain.com which uh you know we've been wanting to put out for a while but uh it, it's going out very soon this is a this is a preview uh pluto's pin tweet on the top here that thorchain-next.netlefly.app and uh, you can check out their redesigned thorchain.com website and also there is a po app for being here a proof of attendance nft uh it's called poap on the app store if you download the app and uh, you go to Mint and type in the secret word, uh, all one word, all caps, mainnet is here. It's all caps, mainnet is here. Uh, you can get the free NFT for being here just as a proof of attendance, fun thing for everyone that attended today. I just wanted to jump in real quick back to the kill switch thing. I was curious, you know, how we're doing overall with uh the supply of rune and how much has been upgraded to native so i checked my handy spreadsheet and we're already over 91.4 percent native rune so that's awesome if we look just a few months ago you know we were i think in the high 50s or low 60s so we've only got you know about eight and a half percent left to convert so definitely don't get left behind and uh, upgrade your rune to native before it's too late sweet anyone else want to come up anything that's anyone that's up on stage right now some closing thoughts uh by the way i think i was just invited to do uh to be up here on coindesk tv on i think it's monday at 9 a.m or maybe the following monday i'm not sure i'll tweet out once i actually get get, get it kind of sorted oh uh, yeah monday the 27th at 9 a.m i think it's gonna be live on the website uh 9 a.m eastern standard time so um i'm sure we'll have to be a like a youtube video later on too if you miss it but if anyone wants to check that out you're welcome to tune in so yeah, man, you've been killing it on all these spaces and also all the podcasts and uh, media things. Great, great job, Chad. I brought up you, uh, John K is here and also Paper X's hand up. Hi guys, congrats on Mainnet, Rune onwards, Tor Chats. Uh, I have like question. Uh, what's the difference between yield bearing since and side pool liquidity? What's the difference? Chad, maybe. <clears throat> yeah, so yield bearing sense is just a mechanism to achieve single-sided yield. So they're they're basically the same thing. It just it's just calling it two different things. Like we we we, we call you know Obamacare Obamacare, but it's actually called you know uh, Housing Affordable Act. I think something like this. <laughs> it's like a two two different names for accomplishing the same thing. Okay, thanks. Paper, what's up? Oh, I was, I was just thinking. Um, I wanted to mention that uh, I feel like we've we've got a lot of you know uh, Thor chats from you know all over the world really. And um, now that we've had mainnet, um, I think we should definitely you know shout it from the rooftop. And so you know, like because obviously we're really close knit as a community, and you know everyone knows each other really well. Um, but I think this is a really good opportunity. Like if you have any native language um, crypto communities that you're part of, or you haven't been engaging in um and you feel this opportunity to um i think mainnet is like definitely the best opportunity to do it um you know we've got quite a few different um language channels on the ThorSwap discord and uh you know a question that gets asked quite a lot is um you know what does mainnet mean and what is what, what does it signify and obviously the the medium article is amazing um but it's you know it's, it's quite long right so um so yeah like Everyone, you know, if you can be a good ambassador to ThorChain and uh, help sort of like break it down and kind of express like, you know, the potential of what ThorChain could be um, from this point onwards, 
Um, I think that would do a really, you know, a lot of good for, for our community. Um, I'm always surprised to talk to people who've um, never heard of Thorchain before or they've only heard about it for the first time and are shocked at, like, you know, such, you know, just the native the aspect of the possibility of um, multi-chain, um, cross-chain native swaps, you know, being possibility. Um, so, you know, obviously in the in the sort of current market conditions, we're all really focused on, you know, um, being heads down building. But uh, yeah, as, um, you know, as a community, um, you know, obviously continue to, you know, engage with your fellow tour chats. But uh, if you could, you know, um, yeah, like just outreach to other communities as well, um, or even, you know, other crypto communities, right? Like um, I just saw a tweet by, you know, from Lee Cow um, responding to um, someone, you know, requesting about Cardano integration on chain. And they're saying like, oh, we don't like Cardano, which is like, you know, I think it's just one of the situations where like, um, we, you know, obviously we're hoping like, um, people come to us, um, but uh, we could always go to other, um, you know, crypto um, blockchain communities as well and, and sort of offer the fact that like, hey, you know, um, we're not centralized and, you know, like, you know, there's no like specific roadmap of like which chain we're integrating, right? So it's it's really a, um, you know, kind of, uh, you know, we meet in the middle sort of situation. And I do remember like, you know, despite how, um, I guess, unfortunately, the whole terror situation, like, unraveled um i do remember like i think terror integration being you know really enjoyable just because um i think you know uh, members from all both communities were really engaged with one another and um everyone's really excited and i think you know uh for for future chain integrations uh yeah if if um other chains are you know interested and excited about the process of what blockchain could bring um that makes that makes it all you know really um like you know smooth uh, smooth in terms of integrations so just a couple of thoughts about like, I guess what we could achieve as a community from this point onwards, um, you know, um, now that we have, we've hit main it. Yeah, really good points. Um, yeah, with the Terra launch, it was so exciting just having such an overlap and excitement in the communities. So if we can cultivate that for, for this Atom launch, uh, you know, for Avalanche after that, that would really be incredible. So if people do have, you know, connections to kind of people in those ecosystems, um, I know I'd be, I would love to do spaces. I'm sure Cal would, Chad B, everyone. Um, so yeah, hopefully we can, hopefully we can do that and really get Thorchain out of just the Thorchad bubble and really into the, the broader crypto sphere bubble, which, um, you know, I think, I think nine realms is really spearheading that with, with the mainnet launch. Um, also again, just to mention to those consensus recordings, that's also pinned up. It was Chad B's tweet. Um, but yeah, there, there was a lot of talk on that sort of thing and like what, what mainnet means moving forward from, from nine realms perspective. And I thought it was really exciting to hear. So definitely check that out as well. Yeah. Great. I think, um, you know, it's, it's been about two hours now, so we can start wrapping up. Sorry for anyone that's, that's waiting, but, uh, you know, people got to get about their days soon. So, uh, thanks everyone for coming out. It's definitely time for the next stage of growth for Thorchain. Now it's we're, we're kind of onto the the stage of uh, growth and explosion outward. You know, especially with the aggregators and just sucking up liquidity with this uh, single sided yield feature that's uh, that's coming down the pipeline, and along with all these exciting chain integrations that are happening. So uh, you know, there's never been a better time to be part of the uh, Thorchain community. And, and I think a lot of people that are here, uh, you know, they understand the multi-chain vision and what uh, Thorchain tries and uh, tries to achieve for the space as a whole. So uh, thanks for being here. If you're, uh, if you're you're here, this is the mainnet launch of, of Thorchain. So we made it. We're here. It's a, it's a decentralized community 
there's no <laughs> there's there's no leaders. There's just there's just groups of people who want to make uh, this project better and see it succeed and uh, you know suck up all this liquidity and be the the backbone for uh, decentralized layer one trading. You know we don't need we don't need bridges. We don't uh, we don't need wrapped assets. We got these pretty pretty nice uh, rotating TSS vaults and uh, continuous liquidity pools power. We don't need no stinking bridges. Oh, that, gentlemen. <laughs> Any closing thoughts, Pluto? Aridonis? What's that uh, quote from uh, Back to the Future? Roads, where we're going, we're not going to need any roads. <laughs> yeah, that was like the last. Where we're going, we won't need bridges. <laughs> Absolutely. Combine blazing saddles and Back to the Future, but, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll let it go. Quick, somebody, somebody meme that up and uh, meme it up. <laughs> yeah. somebody give me that meme. I love it. Uh, just before we go, <laughs> I've got one last uh, present for everyone. Uh, I just got permission to like uh, do the, do like a surprise giveaway. Uh, so I did. Uh, I was fortunate to like. I'm kind of honored to do the the banner for like the mainnet um, article. So um, we we made like a Thor mug um with with the art so yeah we're giving away um on Thorchest DAO. i just retweeted it so yeah uh we're giving away three to anyone who's like part of this um celebration spaces so yeah just just check out um check out my uh twitter great it's also the banner of the Thorchain twitter account now so uh ah, cool. <laughs> yeah Welcome to Mainnet. I just pinned it too i don't know if it already was but that's a pretty sick looking mug <laughs> well done on the design yeah, I figured I uh, wanted like have a present for everyone. Um, yeah, cool. Right, any, anything, any closing thoughts, Pluto Aridonis, before you wrap up? Nah, man. Good job, everyone. Onward. All right, onward. Cheers. And we we do we hold these spaces Cheers. every Friday too. So Friday at noon, uh, you know, guys come ha- hang out, ask questions about Thorchain, and just uh, listen to the latest developments, what's going on. Thanks for coming out, everybody. Catch you next time. See you guys, Friday, everyone.